Book Two, Chapter One of Lord Tony's Wife. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines. Lord Tony's Wife by Amuska Orksky. Part Two of Chapter One. Part Four. After the departure of Flory, Carrier suddenly turned to a slender youth who was standing close by the window, gazing out through the folds of the curtain, on the fine vista of the Loire and the quays which stretched out before him. Introduce citizen Martin Roger into the ante-room now, Lalouet, he said loftily. I will hear what he has to say, and citizen Chauvelin may present himself at the same time. Young Lalouet lolled across the room, smothering a yawn. "'Why should you trouble about all that rabble?' he said roughly. "'It is nearly dinner-time, and you know that the chef hates the soup to be kept waiting.' "'I shall not trouble about them very long,' replied Carrier, who had just started picking his teeth with a tiny gold tool. "'Open the door, boy, and let the two men come.' Lalouet did as he was told. The door through which he passed he left wide open. He then crossed the ante-room to a further door, threw it open, and called in a loud voice, "'Citizen Chauvelin! Citizen Martin Roger!' For all the world like the ceremonious audiences at Versailles in the days of the great Louis. There was sound of eager whisperings, of shuffling of feet, of chairs dragged across the polished floor. Young Lalouet had already and quite unconcernedly turned his back on the two men who, at his call, had entered the room. Two chairs were placed in front of the door which led to the private sanctuary, still wrapped in religious obscurity, where Carrier sat enthroned. The youth curtly pointed to the two chairs, then went back to the inner room. The two men advanced. The full light of midday fell upon them from the tall window on their right, the pale, grey, colourless light of December. They bowed slightly in the direction of the audience chamber where the vague silhouette of the proconsul was alone visible. The whole thing was a farce. Martin Roger held his lips tightly closed together, lest a curse or a sneer escape them. Chauvelin's face was impenetrable, but it is worthy of note that just one year later, when the half-demanded tyrant was in his turn brought before the bar of the convention, and sentenced to the guillotine, it was citizens Chauvelin's testimony which weighed most heavily against him. There was silence for a time. Martin Roger and Chauvelin were waiting for the dictator's word. He sat at his desk with the scanty light, which filtrated between the curtains, immediately behind him. His ungainly form, with the high shoulders and the mop-like shaggy hair half swallowed up by the surrounding gloom, he was deliberately keeping the other two men waiting, and busied himself with turning over desultorily the papers and writing tools upon his desk, in the intervals of picking out his teeth and muttering to himself all the time as was his wont. Young Lalouet had resumed his post beside the curtained window, and he was giving sundry signs of his growing impatience. At last Carrier spoke. And now, citizen Martin Roger, he said in tones of that lofty condescension which he loved to affect, I am prepared to hear what you have to tell me with regard to the cattle which you brought into our city the other day. Where are the aristos now, and why have they not been handed over to Commandant Fleury? The girl, replied Martin Roger, who had much ado to keep his vehement temper in check, 
and who chose for the moment to ignore the second of Carrier's peremptory queries. The girl is in lodgings in the Carrefour de la Poissonnerie. The house is kept by my sister, whose lover was hanged four years ago by the ci-devant Duc de Kernigan for trapping two pigeons. A dozen or so lads from our old village, men who worked with my father and others who were my friends, lodge in my sister's house. They keep a watchful eye over the wench for the sake of the past, for my sake, and for the sake of my sister Louise. The ci-devant Kernigan woman is well guarded. I am satisfied as to that. And where is the ci-devant duke? In the house next door, a tavern at the sign of the Rat Mort, a place which is none too reputable. But the landlord, Le Moyne, is a good patriot, and he is keeping a close eye on the aristo for me. And now will you tell me, citizen, rejoined Carrier with that unctuous suavity which always veiled a threat, will you tell me how it comes that you are keeping a couple of traitors alive all this while at the country's expense? At mine, broke in Martin Roger curtly. At the country's expense, reiterated the proconsul inflexibly. Bread is scarce in Nainah. What traders eat is stolen from good patriots. If you can afford to fill two mouths at your expense, I can supply you with some that have never done aught but proclaim their adherence to the Republic. You have had those two aristos inside the city for nearly a week, and— Only three days, interposed Martin Roger, and you must have patience with me, citizen carrier. Remember, I have done well by you, by bringing such high game to your bag. Your high game will be no use to me, retorted the other with a harsh laugh, if I am not to have the cooking of it. You have talked of disgrace for the rabble, and of your own desire for revenge over them, but— Wait, citizen, broke in Martin Roger firmly. Let us understand one another. Before I embarked on this business, you gave me your promise that no one, not even you, would interfere between me and my booty. And no one has done so hitherto to my knowledge, citizen, rejoined Carrier blandly. The Kernigan rabble has been yours to do with what you like, er, so far, he added significantly. I said that I would not interfere, and I have not done so up to now, even though the pestilential crowd stinks in the nostrils of every good patriot in Nainah but i don't deny that it was a bargain that you should have a free hand with them for a time and john baptiste carrier has never yet gone back on a given word martin roger made no comment on this peroration he shrugged his broad shoulders and suddenly fell to contemplating the distant landscape he had turned his head away in order to hide the sneer which curled his lips at the recollection of that bargain struck with the imperious proconsul it was a matter of five thousand francs which had passed from one pocket to the other and had bound carrier down to a definite promise after a brief while carrier resumed at the same time he said my promise was conditional remember i want that cattle out of nainah i want the bread they eat i want the room they occupy i can't allow you to play fast and loose with them indefinitely a week is quite long enough three days corrected martin roger once more well three days or eight rejoined the other roughly too long in any case i must be rid of them out of this city or i shall have all the spies of the convention about mine ears i am beset with spies citizen martin roger yes even i jean baptiste carrier 
the most selfless, the most devoted patriot the Republic has ever known. Mine enemies up in Paris send spies to dog my footsteps, to watch mine every action. They are ready to pounce upon me at the slightest slip, to denounce me, to drag me to their bar. They have already whetted the knife of the guillotine, which is to lay low the head of the finest patriot in France. Hold on, hold on, Jean-Baptiste, my friend. Here broke in young Lalouet with a sneer. We don't want protestations of your patriotism just now. It is nearly dinner-time. Carrier had been carried away by his own eloquence. At Lalouet's mocking words he pulled himself together, murmured, You young viper, in tones of tigerish affection, and then turned back to Martin Roger and resumed more calmly. They'll be saying that I harbor aristos in Nena if I keep that Kernigan rabble here any longer. So I must be rid of them, citizen Martin Roger, say within the next four and twenty hours. He paused for a moment or two, then added dryly, that is my last word, and you must see to it. What is it you want to do with them, Enfin? I want their death, replied Martin Roger with a curse, and he brought his heavy fist crashing down upon the arm of his chair. But not a martyr's death, understand. I don't want the pathetic figure of Yvonne Kernigan and her father to remain as a picture of patient resignation in the hearts and minds of every other aristo in the land. I don't want it to excite pity or admiration. Death is nothing for such as they. They glory in it. They are proud to die. The guillotine is their final triumph. What I want for them is shame, degradation, a sensational trial that will cover them with dishonor. I want their name dragged in the mire, themselves an object of derision or of loathing. I want articles in the monture giving account of the trial of the ci devant duc de kernogan and his daughter for something that is ignominious and base i want shame and mud slung at them noise and beating of drums to proclaim their dishonor noise noise that will reach every corner of the land i that will reach coblenz and germany and england it is that which they would resent the shame of it the disgrace to their name pshaw exclaimed carrier why don't you marry the wench, citizen Martin Roger? That would be disgrace enough for her, I'll warrant, he added with a loud laugh, enchanted at his witticism. I would tomorrow, replied the other, who chose to ignore the coarse insult, if she would consent. That is why I have kept her at my sister's house these three days. Bah! You have no need of a traitor's consent. My consent is sufficient. I'll give it if you like. The laws of the Republic permit nay desire every good patriot to ally himself with an aristo if he have a mind and the kernigan wench face to face with the guillotine or worse would surely prefer your embraces citizen what a deep frown settled between martin roger's glowering eyes and gave his face a sinister expression i wonder he muttered between his teeth then cease wondering citizen retorted carrier cynically and try our republican marriage on your kernigans thief linked to aristo cut-throat to a proud wench and then the loire shame dishonor voila i say death swift and sure and unerring nothing better has yet been invented for traitors martin roger shrugged his shoulders you have never known he said quietly what it is to hate carrier uttered an exclamation of impatience 
"'Bah!' he said. "'That is all talk and nonsense. "'Theories, what? "'Citizen Chauvelin is a living example "'of the futility of all that rubbish. "'He too has an enemy, it seems, "'whom he hates more thoroughly "'than any good patriot has ever hated "'the enemies of the Republic, "'and hath this deadly hatred availed him, forsooth? "'He too wanted the disgrace and dishonour "'of that confounded Englishman "'whom I would simply have tossed into the Loire long ago "'without further process. "'What is the result?' the englishman is over in england safe and sound making long noses at citizen chauvelin who has much ado to keep his own head out of the guillotine martin roger once more was silent a look of sullen obstinacy had settled upon his face you may be right citizen carrier he muttered after a while i am always right broke in carrier curtly exactly but i have your promise and i'll keep it as i have said for another four-and-twenty hours curse you for a mulish fool added the proconsul with a snarl what in the blank's name do you want to do you have talked a vast deal of rubbish but you have told me nothing of your plans have you any that are worthy of my attention part five martin roger rose from his seat and began pacing up and down the narrow room his nerves were obviously on edge. It was difficult for any man, let alone one of his temperament and half-tutored disposition, to remain calm and deferential in face of the overbearance of this brutal jack-in-office, Martin Roger, himself an upstart, loathed the offensive self-assertion of that uneducated and bestial parvenu, who had become all-powerful through the sole might of his savagery and it cost him a mighty effort to keep a violent retort from escaping his lips a retort which probably would have cost him his head chauvelin on the other hand appeared perfectly unconcerned he possessed the art of outward placidity to a masterly degree throughout all this while he had taken no part in the discussion he sat silent and all but motionless facing the darkened room in front of him as if he had done nothing else in all his life but interview great dictators who chose to keep their sacred persons in the dark only from time to time did his slender fingers drum a tattoo on the arm of his chair carrier had resumed his interesting occupation of picking his teeth his long thin legs were stretched out before him from beneath his flaccid lids he shot swift glances upwards whenever martin roger in his restless pacing crossed and recrossed in front of the open door but anon when the latter came to a halt under the lintel and with his foot almost crossed the threshold young lalouet was upon him in an instant barring the way to the inner sanctum keep your distance citizen he said dryly no one is allowed to enter here instinctively martin roger had drawn back suddenly awed despite himself by the air of mystery which hung over that darkened room and by the dim silhouette of the sinister tyrant who at his approach had with equal suddenness cowered in his lair drawing his limbs together and thrusting his head forward low down over the desk like a leopard crouching for a spring but this spell of awe only lasted a few seconds during which martin roger's unsteady gaze encountered the half-mocking wholly supercilious glance of young lalouet the next he had recovered his presence of mind but this crowning act of audacious insolence broke the barrier of his self-restraint an angry oath escaped him 
are we," he exclaimed roughly, "back in the days of Capet, the tyrant, and of Versailles, that patriots and citizens are treated like menials and obtrusive slaves? Pardieu, citizen Carrier, let me tell you this." "Pardieu, citizen Martin Roget," retorted Carrier with a growl like that of a savage dog. "Let me tell you that for less than two pins I'll throw you into the next barge that will float with open portholes down the Loire. Get out of my presence, you swine, ere I call Flory to throw you out." Martin Roget, at the insult and the threat, had become as pale as the linen at his throat. A cold sweat broke out upon his forehead, and he passed his hand two or three times across his brow, like a man dazed with a sudden and violent blow. His nerves, already overstrained and very much on edge, gave way completely. He staggered, and would have measured his length across the floor, but that his hand encountered the back of his chair, and he just contrived to sink into it, sick and faint, horror-struck and pallid. A low cackle, something like a laugh, broke from chauvelin's thin lips as usual he had witnessed the scene quite unmoved my friend martin roget forgot himself for the moment citizen carrier he said suavely already he is ready to make amends jacques lalouet looked down for a moment with infinite scorn expressed in his fine eyes on the presumptuous creature who had dared to defy the omnipotent representative of the people then he turned on his heel but he did not go far this time he remained standing close beside the door the terrier guarding his master carrier laughed loud and long it was a hideous strident laugh which had not a tone of merriment in it wake up friend martin roget he said harshly i bear no malice i am a good dog when i am treated the right way but if anyone pulls my tail or treads on my paws why i snarl and growl of course if the offence is repeated i bite remember that and now let us resume our discourse though i confess i am getting tired of your kernigan rabble while the great man spoke martin roget had succeeded in pulling himself together his throat felt parched his hands hot and moist he was like a man who had been stumbling along a road in the dark and then suddenly pulled up on the edge of a yawning abyss into which he had all but fallen with a few harsh words with a monstrous insult carrier had made him feel the gigantic power which could hurl any man from the heights of self-assurance and of ambition to the lowest depths of degradation he had shown him the glint of steel upon the guillotine he had been hit as with a sledge-hammer the blow hurt terribly for it had knocked all his self-esteem into nothingness and pulverized his self-conceit it had in one moment turned him into a humble and cringing sycophant i had no mind he began tentatively to give offence my thoughts were bent on the kernigans they are a fine haul for us both citizen carrier and i worked hard and long to obtain their confidence over in england and to induce them to come with me to nana no one denies that you have done well retorted carrier gruffly and not yet wholly pacified if the hall had not been worth having you would have received no help from me i have shown my gratitude for your help citizen carrier i would show it again more substantially if you desire he spoke slowly and quite deferentially but the suggestion was obvious carrier looked up into his face the light of measureless cupidity 
the cupidity of the coarse-grained enriched peasant glittered in his pale eyes it was by a great effort of will that he succeeded in concealing his eagerness beneath his habitual air of lofty condescension eh what he queried airily if another five thousand francs is of any use to you you seem passing rich citizen martin roger sneered carrier i have slaved and saved for four years what i have amassed i will sacrifice for the completion of my revenge well rejoined carrier with an expressive wave of the hand it certainly is not good for a pure-minded republican to own too much wealth have we not fought he continued with a grandiloquent gesture for equality of fortune as well as of privileges a sardonic laugh from young lalloway broke in on the proconsul's eloquent effusion carrier swore as was his wont but after a second or two he began again more quietly i will accept a further six thousand francs from you citizen martin roger in the name of the republic and all of her needs the republic of france is up in arms against the entire world she hath need of men of arms of oh cut that interposed young lalloway roughly but the over-vain high and mighty despot who was ready to lash out with unbridled fury against the slightest show of disrespect on the part of any other man only laughed at the boy's impudence curse you you young viper he said with that rude familiarity which he seemed to reserve for the boy you presume too much on my forbearance these children you know citizen name of a dog he added roughly we are wasting time what was i saying that you would take six thousand francs replied martin roger curtly in return for further help in the matter of the kernigans why yes rejoined carrier blandly i was forgetting but i'll show you what a good dog i am i'll help you with those kernigans but you mistook my word citizen tis ten thousand francs you must pour into the coffers of the republic for her servants will have to be placed at the disposal of your private schemes of vengeance ten thousand francs is a large sum said martin roger let me hear what you will do for me for that he had regained something of his former complacency the man who buys be it goods consciences or services is always for the moment master of the man who sells carrier despite his dictatorial ways felt this disadvantage no doubt for his tone was more bland his manner less curt only young jacques lalloway stood by like a snarling terrier still arrogant and still disdainful the master of the situation seeing that neither schemes of vengeance nor those of corruption had ruffled his self-assurance he remained beside the door ready to pounce on either of the two intruders if they showed the slightest sign of forgetting the majesty of the great proconsul part six i told you just now citizen martin roger resumed carrier after a brief pause and i suppose you knew it already that i am surrounded with spies spies citizen murmured martin roger somewhat taken aback by this sudden irrelevance i didn't know i imagine any one in your position that's just it broke in carrier roughly my position is envied by those who are less competent less patriotic than i am nina is swarming with spies mine enemies in paris are working against me they want to undermine the confidence which the national convention reposes in her accredited representative 
preposterous ejaculated young lalloway solemnly well rejoined carrier with a savage oath you would have thought that the convention would be only too thankful to get a strong man at the head of affairs in this hotbed of treason and of rebellion you would have thought that it was no one's affair to interfere with the manner in which i administer the powers that have been given me i command in nana what yet some busybodies up in paris some fools seem to think that we are going too fast in nana they have become weaklings over there since marat has gone it seems that they have heard rumors of our flat-bottom barges and of our fine republican marriages apparently they disapprove of both they don't realize that we have to purge an entire city of every kind of rabble traitors as well as criminals they don't understand my aspirations my ideals he added loftily and with a wide sweeping gesture of his arm which is to make nina a model city to free her from the taint of crime and of treachery and and impatient exclamation from young lalloway once again broke in on carrier's rhetoric and martin roget was able to slip in the query which had been hovering on his lips and is this relevant citizen carrier he asked to the subject which we have been discussing it is replied carrier dryly as you will see in a moment learn then that it has been my purpose for some time to silence mine enemies by sending to the national convention a tangible reply to all the accusations which have been levelled against me it is my purpose to explain to the assembly my reasons for mine actions in nana my drownages my republican marriages all the coercive measures which i have been forced to take in order to purge the city from all that is undesirable and think you citizen carrier queried martin roget without the slightest trace of a sneer that up in paris they will understand your explanations yes they will they must when they realize that everything that i have done has been necessitated by the exigencies of public safety necessitated by the exigencies of public safety they will be slow to realize that mused the other the national convention today is not what the constitutional assembly was in ninety two it has become soft and sentimental many there are who will disapprove of your doings robespierre talks loftily of the dignity of the republic her impartial justice the girondins carrier interposed with a coarse imprecation he suddenly leaned forward sprawling right across the desk a shaft of light from between the damask curtains caught the end of his nose and the tip of his protruding chin distorting his face and making it seem grotesque as well as hideous in the dim light he appeared excited and inflated with vanity he always gloried in the atrocities which he committed and though he professed to look with contempt on every one of his colleagues he was always glad of an opportunity to display his inventive powers before them and to obtain their fulsome eulogy i know well enough what they talk about in paris he said but i have an answer a substantial definite answer for all their rubbish dignity of the republic bah impartial justice tis force strength spartan vigor that we want and i'll show them listen to my plan citizen martin roget and see how it will work in with yours my idea is to collect together all the most disreputable and notorious evildoers of this city 
there are plenty in the entrepot at the present moment and there are plenty more still in the streets of nanay thieves malefactors forgers of state bonds assassins and women of ill fame and to send them in a batch to paris to appear before the committee of public safety whilst i will send to my colleagues there a letter couched in terms of general reproach see i shall say what i have to contend with in nenah see the moral pestilence that infests the city these evil-doers are but a few among the hundreds and thousands of whom i am vainly trying to purge this city which you have entrusted to my care they won't know how to deal with the rabble he continued with his harsh strident laugh they may send them to the guillotine wholesale or deport them to cayenne and they will have to give them some semblance of a trial in any case but they will have to admit that my severe measures are justified and in future i imagine they will leave me more severely alone if as you say urged martin roget the national convention give your crowd a trial you will have to produce some witnesses so i will retorted carrier cynically so i will have i not said that i will round up all the most noted evildoers in the town there are plenty of them i assure you lately my company marat have not greatly troubled about them after seven a there was such a crowd of rebels to deal with there was no room in our prisons for malefactors as well but we can easily lay our hands on a couple of hundred or so and members of the municipality or of the district council or tradespeople of substance in the city will only be too glad to be rid of them and will testify against those that were actually caught red-handed not one but has suffered from the pestilential rabble that has infested the streets at night and lately i have been pestered with complaints of all these night-birds men and women and suddenly he paused he had caught martin roget's feverish gaze fixed excitedly upon him whereupon he leaned back in his chair threw his head back and broke out into loud and immoderate laughter by the devil and all his myrmidons citizen he said as soon as he had recovered his breath meseems you have tumbled to my meaning as a pig into a heap of garbage is not ten thousand francs far too small a sum to pay for such a perfect realization of all your dreams we'll send the kernigan girl and her father to paris with the herd what i promise you that such filth and mud will be thrown on them and on their precious name that no one will care to bear it for centuries to come martin roget of a truth had much ado to control his own excitement as the proconsul unfolded his infamous plan he had at once seen as in a vision the realization of all his hopes what more awful humiliation what more dire disgrace could be devised for proud kernigan and his daughter than being herded together with the vilest scum that could be gathered together among the flotsam and jetsam of the population of a seaport town what more perfect retaliation could there be for the ignominious death of jean adet the miller martin roget leaned forward in his chair the hideous figure of carrier was no longer hideous to him he saw in that misshapen gawky form the very embodiment of the god of vengeance the wielder of the flail of retributive justice which was about to strike the guilty at last yes you are right citizen carrier he said and his voice was thick and hoarse with excitement he rested his elbow on his knee and his chin in his hand 
He hammered his nails against his teeth. "That was exactly in my mind while you spoke." "I am always right," retorted Carrier loftily. "No one knows better than I do how to deal with traitors." "And how is the whole thing to be accomplished? The wench is in my sister's house at present, the father is in the Rat Mort." "And the Rat Mort is an excellent place. I know of none better. It is one of the worst famed houses in the whole of Nantes, the meeting place of all the vagabonds, the thieves and the cut throats of the city." "Yes, I know that to my cost. My sister's house is next door to it. At night the street is not safe for decent females to be abroad. And though there is a platoon of Marats on guard at the Le Bouffay close by, they do nothing to free the neighborhood of that pest. Bah! retorted Carrier with cynical indifference. They have more important quarry to net. Rebels and traitors swarm in Nenahuet. Commandant Flory has had no time hitherto to waste on mere cutthroats, although I had thoughts before now of raising the place to the ground. Citizen Lamberty has his lodgings on the other side, and he does nothing but complain of the brawls that go on there a night. Sure it is that while a stone of the rat mort remains standing, all the nighthawks of Nenah will congregate around it, and brew mischief there, which is no good to me and no good to the Republic. Yes, I know all about the rat mort. I found a night shelter there four years ago when, when the C. Devon, Duc de Kernogan, was busy hanging your father, the miller, for a crime which he never committed. Well then, citizen Martin Roger, continued Carrier with one of his hideous leers, since you know the rat mort so well, what say you to your fair and stately Yvonne de Kernogan and her father being captured there in the company of the lowest scum of the population of Nainah? You mean murmured martin roget who had become livid with excitement i mean that my marats have orders to raid some of the haunts of our nanah cutthroats and that they may as well begin to-night and with the rat mort they will make a descent on the house and a thorough perquisition and every person man woman and child found on the premises will be arrested and sent with a batch of malefactors to paris there to be tried as felons and criminals and deported to cayenne where they will i trust rot as convicts in that pestilential climate think you concluded the odious creature with a sneer that when put face to face with the alternative your kernigan wench will still refuse to become the wife of a fine patriot like yourself i don't know murmured martin roget i-i but i do know broke in carrier roughly that ten thousand francs is far too little to pay for so brilliant a realization of all one's hopes ten thousand francs tis a hundred thousand you should give to show your gratitude martin roget rose and stretched his large heavy figure to its full height he was at great pains to conceal the utter contempt which he felt for the abdominal wretch before whom he was forced to cringe you shall have ten thousand francs citizen carrier he said slowly it is all that i possess in the world now the last remaining fragment of a sum of twenty-five thousand francs which i earned and scraped together for the past four years you have had five thousand francs already and you shall have the other ten i do not grudge it if twenty years of my life were any use to you i would give you that in exchange for the help you are giving me in what means far more than life to me the proconsul laughed and shrugged his shoulders. Of a truth, he thought citizen Martin Roget an awful fool. 
"'Very well, then,' he said. "'We will call the matter settled. "'I confess that it amuses me, "'although remember that I have warned you. "'With all these aristos, "'I believe in the potency of my barges "'rather than in your elaborate schemes. "'Still, it shall never be said "'that Jean-Baptiste Carrier "'has left a friend in the lurch.' "'I am grateful for your help, Citizen Carrier,' said Martin Roger coldly. Then he added slowly, as if reviewing the situation in his own mind, "'Tonight, you say?' "'Yes, tonight. My Marats, under the command of Citizen Fleury, will make a descent upon the Rat Mort. Those shall be my orders. The place shall be swept clean of every man, woman, and child who is inside. If your two Kernigans are there—' well he said with a cynical laugh and with a shrug of his shoulders they can be sent up to paris with the rest of the herd the dinner bell has gone long ago here interposed young lalloway dryly the soup will be stone cold and the chef red hot with anger you are right citizen lalloway said carrier as he leaned back in his chair once more and stretched out his long legs at his ease we have wasted far too much time already over the affairs of a couple of aristos who ought to have been at the bottom of the loire a week ago the audience is ended he added airily and he made a gesture of overweening condescension for all the world like the one wherewith the grand monarch was wont to dismiss his courtiers chauvelin rose too and quietly turned to the door he had not spoken a word for the past half hour ever since, in fact, he had put in a conciliatory word on behalf of his impetuous colleague. Whether he had taken an active interest in the conversation or not, it were impossible to say. But now, just as he was ready to go, and young Lalloway prepared to close the doors of the audience chamber, something seemed suddenly to occur to him, and he called somewhat peremptorily to the young man. "'One moment, citizen,' he said. "'What is it now?' queried the youth insolently and from his fine eyes there shot a glance of contempt on the meagre figure of the once powerful terrorist. "'About the Kernigan wench,' continued Chauvelin, "'she will have to be conveyed some time before night to the tavern next door. There may be agencies at work on her behalf.' "'Agencies?' broke in the boy gruffly. "'What agencies?' "'Oh,' said Chauvelin vaguely, "'we all know that Aristos have powerful friends these days.' It will not be over-safe to take the girl across after dark from one house to another. The alley is badly lighted. The wench will not go willingly. She might scream and create a disturbance and draw, er, those same unknown agencies to her rescue. I think a body of Marats should be told off to convey her to the Rat Mort. Young Lalloway shrugged his shoulders. That's your affair, he said curtly. Eh, Carrier? and he glanced over his shoulder at the proconsul, who at once dissented. Martin Roger, struck by his colleague's argument, would have interposed, but Carrier broke in with one of his uncontrolled outbursts of fury. "'Ah, ca!' he exclaimed. "'Enough of this now. Citizen Lalloway is right, and I have done enough for you already. If you want the Kernigan wench to be at the Ratmort, you must see to getting her there yourself. She is next door, what?' I won't have anything to do with it, and I won't have my Marats implicated in the affair either. Name of a dog, have I not told you that I am beset with spies? It would of a truth be a climax if I was denounced as having dragged Aristos to a house of ill fame and then had them arrested there as malefactors. Now out with you, 
I have had enough of this. If your rabble is at the Rat Mort to night, they shall be arrested with all the other cutthroats. That is my last word. The rest is your affair. Lull away the door. And without another word, and without listening to further protests from Martin Roger or Chauvelin, Jacques Lalloway closed the doors of the audience chamber in their face. Part 7 Outside on the landing, Martin Roger swore a violent, all-comprehensive oath. To think that we are under the heel of that skunk, he said, and that in the pursuit of our own ends we have need of his help, added Chauvelin with a sigh. If it were not for that, and even now, continued Martin Roger moodily, I doubt what I can do. Yvonne de Kernogan will not follow me willingly either to the Rat Mort or elsewhere, and if I am not to have her conveyed by the guard, he paused and swore again. His companion's silence appeared to irritate him. What do you advise me to do, citizen Chauvelin? he asked. For the moment, replied Chauvelin imperturbably, I should advise you to join me in a walk along the quay as far as Les Buffets. I have work to see to inside the building, and the northwesterly wind is sure to be of good counsel. An angry retort hovered on Martin Roger's lips, but after a second or two he succeeded in holding his irascible temper in check. He gave a quick sigh of impatience. Very well, he said curtly, let us go to Les Buffets by all means. I have much to think on, and, as you say, the northwesterly wind may blow away the cobwebs which for the nonce do or cloud my brain. And the two men wrapped their mantles closely round their shoulders, for the air was keen. Then they descended the staircase of the hotel and went out into the street. End of chapter 1 Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah